0: From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast, and I'm the bomb. Happy TT Tuesday, and welcome to Burncast. In today's episode, we meet up with Miss Tickle, recorded at Burning Man 2007, the day after the man burned, uh, the, the second time. But before we begin, I just want to acknowledge that for the first time in 66 episodes, I missed a scheduled podcast release date, and I want to apologize, but the reason was is because I got a really freaking bad headache, and I'm not talking like a headache, I'm talking like a migraine. It's the kind of thing where I I cannot stand lights, and so the glare of a computer is just going to be even worse and uh, I can't stand smells of any kind, not even like good smells like coffee or pie or stuff like that. And I this time I couldn't even stand sounds. I couldn't stand the sound of the rain falling outside my window. So uh, I just holed up in a cave, in a dark cave for days until it passed and uh, so that's what happened. But uh, now we're ready to roll again and we're gonna kick it off with Miss Tickle. The day after the second burn, Miss Tickle happened to be walking by my camp, and she had the most amazing dress I'd seen at Burning Man that year. And so I stopped her, asked her if she would do an interview, and she agreed. So that's what we're going to hear. And oh, and one more thing before we roll sound. Last week I promised that I would also put a bonus track online of what Mod Man did during the rainbow. And then as I was mixing this episode together, I realized, wow. I've got a great interview of what Miss Tickle did during the Rainbow, and a great interview of what Mod Man did during the Rainbow. So next week, I'm going to put the two tracks together, and we'll have a nice little holiday Rainbow show. Okay, so let's hit it with Miss Tickle. Okay, it is Sunday morning, September second, 10:30 in the morning. It's the day after the burn, and I'm sitting here with Miss Tickle. Miss <laughs> Tickle, how'd you get your playa name?
1: Well, it was actually off the playa. Uh, I'm very, very ticklish. And my partners at the time, you know, loved to use that to torture me. It's not one of those pleasurable things. You know, it's, it's actual torture for me. Um, and so they named, they named me that in a fit of, you know, tickling and, and excitement. And I immediately resented them for it because I knew the more I told people my name was Miss Tickle, the more people were likely to tickle me. Yeah. But actually, it's, it's worked out okay because I tell people... Uh, I'm Miss Tickle because you can't miss me and you can't tickle me. So, <laughs> so that way. I, and people are more, more or less respectful. Most people don't go straight in for the tickle when they hear your name. They, you know, <laughs> at least start here. So,
0: Well, I think today, I think it, we can honestly say that you are Miss Tickled Pink. <laughs> you have the most amazing gown. Would you describe it for our audience and perhaps later send me a photo that we, we may embed in this podcast?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thank you so much for the compliment. Um, this is, I, I really like making my costumes out of uh, recycled materials, recycle, using other recycled clothes and either reworking them or combining them in ways that are interesting. And I found a large wheel of Mylar ribbon. It's pink on one side and silver on the other. at a thrift store, and I knew I had to do something with it but didn't really know what so eventually I came up with the idea of cutting it into pieces and turning it into and making a fringe out of it and then I layered this fringe pink and silver, pink and silver, pink and silver all the way down a big pink ball gown with a big petticoat underneath and stuff and all the materials except for the tape and the thread are reused and um, I thought it would be fun to kind of you know catch the eye of those people who like shiny things and and certainly I've got a lot of that people when I walked out yesterday. I, people would come biking up, they like, I saw you all the way across the playa. <laughs> I was just like, what is that
0: glinting, shining, moving thing? You know, And they'd come out to see me, so it's been really fun. It's such a lovely costume. I love costumes myself, but I found this year to be enormously challenging on two levels, heat and wind. How is it for you wearing costumes of this magnitude?
1: Yeah, I mean, the challenges were many, many for me in this spring In terms of specifically costumes, like... This was the first year I actually kind of laid out all my costumes ahead of time. Usually I just pile all my costume stuff in boxes and I end up with these huge crates and then I spend hours getting ready at night because I'm like, wait, what am I going to wear? But this time I, I brought a little hang, you know, a, a clothes rack, I put it in the truck, and so I had everything ready, but then, you're right, because of the heat, because of the dust, because, I don't know, was there a... a total lack of shower trucks this year or something because I didn't seem to shower as much as it well shower in the sense of running behind a water truck so with all those things you sort of feel less like the playa goddess ready to don her you know her outfit for the day than than you normally do. Um, someone asked me, like, well, aren't there days you're just going to want to re- wear regular clothes? And I was like, oh, no, not at Burning Man. <laughs> and this year, it's just like, maybe I'll just stay in my underwear today. You know, naked is a costume, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had this philosophy. Why be naked when you could wear a costume? But I know. I know. But there were some days where I just I couldn't answer the energy, so I've got, like, five or six more costumes, like, hanging up in the rack pristine, then I'm just like, oh, I didn't get to show them off, but, you know, there'll be other events. There'll There'll be decom. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, how was your burn
1: last night? And how long have you been coming? This is my fifth year, but I guess my sixth burn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, I've found, um... I found in the last couple years that I didn't enjoy the man burning so much because the energy there gets kind of... Aggressive, and you know, there's this whole like burn the man, burn the man. People get like, kind of like overexcited and a little violent about it, and then there's like that whole down in front thing. <laughs> but like, and it has gotten so rough in the place. And the last couple times I went to the burn, I was like, you know, and I don't want to mess with that, I'm just gonna go early. So we'd take a little picnic, Aww. just camp out, you know, so then we don't have to worry about it because you people get angry, and you're just like, the rest of the week is so positive, why does this have to turn into a you know confrontation. So anyway, so this year we weren't actually planning on watching the man. We were like, oh, we'll watch it from camp with a friend who's leaving right afterwards. You know, let's just spend that time kind of hanging out with friends. But we had been out on the playa looking at art at dusk and decided to come look at the solar array. We hadn't seen the solar array that was lighting up the man yet. I'm really into alternative energy, so I really wanted to check it out. So we came out there, and it was beautifully lit, and the whole idea was so inspiring. We were just enjoying standing up on the platform. We realized there were a bunch of people collecting to watch watched the burn, and we thought, oh, this is a really nice place to watch the burn. And just then a guy came up and said, you know, hey, everybody, uh, we're about to rope this area off and reserve this platform for the folks who built the solar array and their friends and camps and stuff. And so I'm thinking, oh, you know, we'll get up and go. That's fine. And he said, no, but you guys are already here, so we'd love for you to join us. which That was really generous of them, really nice. And so then it was kind of like, well, we hadn't planned on watching, but since we're here, you know, we might as well take advantage. And there are all these cool people coming up who built this solar array. I'd love to chat with them. And So um, so my partner was feeling kind of tired. He's like, you know what, I want to rest up for the night. So he went back and I stayed and just, you know, talked to the folks who'd done the project. One of the guys who sounded like, you know, from the sounds of it, he was fairly involved, like in the planning and... An organization then obviously the execution and I was he asked me how many burns. Oh I said five and he said, Well how about you? And he said, This is my first and I was like, It's your first burn and you did this? Like how amazing, you know, how wonderful. So anyway, so I sat up there and just talked with people I have um, these kind of wrap-around magic glasses that I made like I took diffraction grading paper that makes those magic glasses and I put them on hospital safety goggles <laughs> so so I passed those around and everyone enjoyed I mean because it's so cool just to watch the entire city come out yeah you know and all of us are throwing out numbers like 60,000 this year I swear and uh-huh. I mean it, it does look impossibly huge uh-huh. and just to see all the art cars come in it's a great time to see everyone come together like if nothing else like it's the collection of everyone in the city and so I did that, and, and then as soon as Conclave started, I was just like, no, you know what, I really want to be back at camp with my friends and just chill back there. and. So came back and watched the man burn from afar, and he took a fucking long time this yeah, year. Yeah. We kept saying, like, he learned his lesson on Monday night, and now he's like, no way you're going to get me this time. He secretly coated a flame retardant or something. Because he seemed to go up like that on Monday. Oh, okay. Whereas last night, you know, he just stood there forever, arms up and everything.
0: You know? <laughs> so I watched that from afar, and, um,
1: yeah, it was really nice. It was, you know peaceful
0: <laughs> so you okay so you saw the man burn on Monday or Tuesday morning I guess will you tell us about that, that experience <laughs> sure it was it was actually just it was such a perfect burning
1: man experience and I don't say that because I think it was a good thing or that I mean it was an emotional roller coaster for me to start with I was on acid <laughs> and I was tripping pretty hard <laughs> one of my most intense trips ever so I was already in a space that was very Vulnerable and introspective and emotional. And you know, we had started out at the trash fence for some party, but as soon as the ass started came on, I, I realized I didn't feel safe that far away from the city. I said, Let's come in a little further. So we sort of slowly, first we made our way back to the monkeys and watched that for a while. Then we made our way to the temple, and the eclipse started, and it was just more amazing than it could have been any other place, obviously. I mean, you're, here you are out on the playa for the first night, and that Monday night was like a burn night. It was insane. There were so many people out so crowded the energy was really intense and so all these things were already like very I mean I was barely holding it all in because it was all so intense and so um, well just intense I guess there's no other way to describe it and then we realized the the full eclipse was about to start and I said let's go someplace where we can get a really good view of it I bet they're gonna shut the man off because I'd heard rumors that they'd announced on the radio like everyone turn your power off when the eclipse starts so we have minimal interference and we can watch it so we went Close to the pavilion, not all the way up, but we were laying out just, you know, on our coats and the playa, just looking up at the eclipse, and it was so beautiful, so amazing to watch the moon turn to that blood red. And it was like this huge floating red marble in the sky. And of course, for me, it was also spinning off rainbows in every direction. <laughs> but so we're watching that, we see the man kind of flicker and, and then come back on and flicker again. We're like, well, that's a weird, why don't they just turn him off and keep him off? And my partner goes, "Wait a second, that's not right!" And we see this little fire at the base of his leg. (laughs) Like, "Oh shit!" And because of all the other influence, you know, all the other stimuli of the evening, the intensity, the acid of being out on the ply for the first time, this amazing astronomical event that we were witnessing—like the man starting to burn prematurely—was just took on these apocalyptic proportions. You know, it was like. What does this mean? This is the end of Burning Man as we know it. This is like the end of my life as I know it, because I've been coming to Burning Man for five years, but I'm unrecognizable from the person I was. And I don't want to just say like, oh, Burning Man turned me into this freak, whatever. I mean, Burning Man opened my eyes to so many things. My life, my career, my partner, the place I live, the way I live, everything about my life is different. And I'm not gonna say Burning Man did that, but Burning Man was the catalyst. So Burning Man has taken on huge significance in my life and the thought that, you know, I was spitting off all sorts of crazy ideas like, this was the year that Bernie Man went corporate, you know, this is the year they had sponsors, you know, and, and whether that's true or not. All these people had invested in bringing these things, the alternative energy demonstrations, things out to apply. I thought, what if that's all destroyed? What if Borg gets sued? What if they go bankrupt? Or, you know, was this an intentional corporate sabotage of all these little independent companies that came in to bring their alternative energy? or people trying to keep us from learning about green? Tea? You know, I mean, all these conspiracy theories are going. But I really thought, like, what if BLM doesn't give them a permit again? What if they, you know, I just, all of a sudden, I felt very threatened. I felt like this could be the end of something that has been so significant to me. And the man himself, you know, he's just a piece of wood and it's just a bonfire. But the symbol of it, the symbol of this thing that it's it's sort of like the one promise that Burning Man makes to everyone. So I thought, wow, if they've broken their promise, like if Evan comes out here and the man's gone and they're just like, fuck this, we're going home tomorrow. What does that mean? When you know, I mean it just so and not to mention the fact that all I could think about was all the art that was underneath. Uh-huh. And you know, I hadn't been to the pavilion yet, so I didn't know was all the alternative energy stuff displayed right underneath. What if all that was destroyed? no one ever got to see it. Why now? Why this year when it was had some meaning when when you know I mean not that it didn't before, but you know when it was really supposed to educate people and maybe help them make a change back home that could make for a more sustainable lifestyle or something you know what I mean so I was sick to my stomach. I felt ill just like, all that is going for nothing. All that could be destroyed. Plus, I didn't know were people dying. I mean, again, everything was so amplified in my mind. I had no, it just felt like chaos. So in the midst of all this, like, intense emotion, and, you know, we're turning around and seeing people just dashing in from the playa people just riding their bikes as fast as they can art cars speeding in emergency vehicles you know zooming left and right of course they come out with a water truck so the first water trucks are completely ineffectual they're (laughs) barely even hitting the pavilion the man and the man at this point is completely engulfed and every you know we're hearing people screaming are they screaming to save him are they screaming to put him out like what's going on it was just (laughs) were they screaming for both i've heard since then that they that they were i was far enough out that I could hear the screams but I couldn't like make out what people wanted
0: what did you want?
1: that's a really good question I guess I wanted I guess I wanted like some sort of control restored because I thought here Burning Man and and it was kind of an interesting lesson because we come to Burning Man with this kind of like oh it's chaos it's total freedom it's anything can happen and here it was here it was happening you know the man's burning early and in some ways that's a very glorious thing and it's so in keeping with the event I mean like how to ensure the Burning Man re- remains remains fresh and controversial like wow did Borg plan it? did they intentionally do this to keep everybody on their toes you know so in some ways it's very fitting but all I could think of was you know the, how destructive it was and how how much potential there was for for tragedy I mean you know and that sounds kind of blown out of proportion but but the best part was that in all this like Roller coaster emotion, and I mean, we recognized how absurd it was that this was happening, you know. Like, I kept looking back at the moon and saying, We're in the middle of this amazing event. I mean, look at the moon, people. The moon is a blood-red marble in the sky. And everyone's just like rushing into the man, has totally forgotten that this amazing thing is happening. Just then, this art car goes driving by. And they're not driving to the man. They're not driving away from the man. They're just putting along (laughs) parallel to me. It's this beautiful art car, but it's a car that's all kind of tiki'd out, pulling a sailboat made up to look like it's been beached. It's like a shipwreck. And there's tiki bars around. It's just the detail of it. We wrote on it later in the week and talked to the folks. And it's beautifully, beautifully done. So it, it just puts by, like, kind of drives between us and the man, going, you know, five miles an hour, totally calm. And there's two people sitting at one of the bars in the back, <laughs> completely engrossed in conversation, completely unaware that the moon is, like, gone red in the sky, that the man is burning prematurely behind him, that the rest of the play is in chaos as people, like, run out to experience this. And all they could do was you know, look into each other's eyes, and continue this conversation, it was, and, like, it, like they'd totally forgotten that they're riding a boat in the middle of the desert, you know, at three in the morning, and so it was so absurd, and just then, as, as we're watching it pass, just goggling at the, you know, at the uniqueness of it all, and this old man walks past us, and he stops, and he says, pretty three-dimensional, eh? <laughs> and we go, no shit, <laughs> but he was just talking about the moon, uh-huh. And he starts, like, waxing poetic about the eclipse, because he's apparently an eclipse chaser. Uh-huh. And he, you know, he's, he's, I've seen the, the moon rise in full eclipse, you know, in Idaho, and I've seen this and that, and, you know, starts telling us all these interesting stories about eclipses. He says, yeah, but this one's really unusual. And we're like, you think? <laughs> but it was just, it was so interesting to see how different people had become completely engrossed in their own little world, you know? and. I mean, the rest of that night was so insane. We came back to camp. We sort of bonded with friends. Okay, everything's okay, right, right. You know, I had to stay up till sunrise just to make sure that the world was still moving around and that things hadn't completely... You know, and it, and it, and it was, in, it, it really made me think about the significance of this event. Not just the event, but the ideas behind it to me and how how valuable, how significant they've become in my life. And that, But that, you know, also a reminder, like, I can't hold this sacred. It can't be sacrosanct. I can't... It's just a piece of wood. It's just, you know, a party in the desert. I mean, it's all that and and many, many more things. But the ideas, the changes in my life, those are going to stay regardless, whether the man burns or not, you know, whether they bring him back or not. So it's just a very...
0: (laughs) So, again, would you have asked to save the man or burn the man? I think it happened um,
1: in the exact right way, you know. Um, It was... I think... Accept the man? Accept the man. That's wonderful. Yeah. Accept what happens. And I mean, the fact that he was reborn to burn again, you know, I think was really amazing. The fact that you woke up the next morning and everything was going on as usual. No one packed him and left. No one, you know. And people were still continuing to build their camps. People were out doing their workshops. People were running around in <laughs> the costume. You know, I mean, that wasn't going to change. And So it was... Um, I think it was a good reminder. It was kind of like, are people here for the bonfire or are they here for the idea? And they were here for the idea, you know. It didn't matter that the man was gone or that he was sitting there like a kind of a nerdy, skinny, charred guy, you know, <laughs> missing an arm. like, hey, guys, like, don't forget about me, you know. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Do you know what kind of ideas you're going to take away with, with the, this year that you'll, you'll work on throughout the year until your next burn, assuming you're coming next year?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I did go through times this, this week, and it was the first time I'd experienced this where it was like, wow, maybe I won't come next year. Like every year it's been like, course I'm coming back and these are my ideas. You know, you have your hard moments, but there was never a question. This year was the first time I thought, you know, maybe I'm not getting what I want anymore. So I think the ideas that I'm coming away with for last year, or for next year are um, just to remind myself before I come back how hard it is, because you forget every year. You forget how challenging it is. You only remember the amazing epiphanies and the friends that you've made and the beautiful art and you forget that to get to all that stuff you have to be exhausted, you have to be emotionally wrecked, you have to be hotter than you could possibly imagine getting and sweating and dirty and, you know, I mean, I've had some of my most cracked out, primal, disgusting moments where I just can't believe what an animal I am out here. you know. But you have to go through that to get to these really wonderful epiphanies. So I, I really want to remind myself of that before I come back next year and do a lot better planning on my shade structure because these winds this year kicked my ass. So, <laughs> so I guess that's what I'm taking
0: away. Mm. As we wrap this up, I have uh, two questions. Number one, do you have any advice for virgins coming next year? I guess
1: expect the unexpected you know I mean read your survival guide obviously get you know, don't come without really doing the prep but nothing is going to prepare you for what you'll experience here surround yourself with people who can guide you you know just be ready for anything just be open to it because it's you know it's going to be it's going to hurt it's going to be a little bit painful it's going to be a little bit scary it's going to be overwhelming but you'll love it in the end you know.
0: Like a virgin would. <laughs> exactly. And my last question is, do you have any advice for the veteran burner who may be jaded?
1: I hear a lot of people say, I love Burning Man, but it's kind of over for me, or it's not the adventure it once was, and, you know, oh, now I need to spend my time traveling abroad or something like that, and I absolutely understand that. My feeling is that this is um, its kind of a limited time offer, you know? I mean, the Burning Man, what's come out of Burning Man, the ideas of it, those are going to go on, and through whether it's through regionals or events, but can this go on until it's 100,000 people, 200,000? You know, at some point, it will collapse under its own weight, and the event as we know it won't be able to exist. So for me, I kind of feel like I need to take advantage of it while it's here. You know, I'm young, I'm living close by, I'm really able to take advantage of a lot of things Burning Man has to offer, and so I really want to do it while I can. Also, I, I, I kind of feel like this is one of the better cultural experiences the U.S. has to offer. Like if I'm like I think about if I were a European who is coming to travel in the states, or if I were like, what's the, what is there to see in the states? I mean, obviously there's amazing landscape. It's a unique place that you know. I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff to see here. But in terms of like something that's really innovative out there, unpredictable. I mean. There's nothing like Burning Man. I've done a lot of traveling all over the world, and there's nothing like this. I'm definitely on this scale, but I mean, in so many ways, it's a unique thing. So I guess if you're feeling jaded about it, you know, I'm not going to talk you out of it. But for me, that's really helped me to keep perspective and stay excited about coming. It's like, I know there are things here that are absolutely unique, and I want to find them while I still can. Thank you very much, Miss Tickle. Thank you, Devon. I'm so glad to meet you. Can't wait to hear your podcast.
0: You have been listening to BurnCast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, visit our blog at burncast.blogspot.com. To contact us, please call the BurnCast hotline at 775-363-5861 or click on the MyChingo audio recorder at our website, burncast.net. A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts.